Hi friend, my name is Amy Joy and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. Recently, I was looking at the different accounts of the temptation of Jesus in the Gospels. And I started off with Mark, which is the shortest version. I think it maybe there's two verses and it just says that Jesus was, he went out into the wilderness and he fasted 40 days, was tempted of the devil, he was with wild animals and angels came and ministered to him. So it's a pretty stripped down version. And that's not a direct quote, by the way, that's just a rough paraphrase. Then when you look at the Matthew passage, Matthew goes into more explanation around the events around the temptation and it's the pretty typical description where Jesus starts off with the temptation to turn bread or to turn stones into bread and then the second one is the temptation to throw himself down from the highest point of the temple and then the third one when he goes up to the highest mountain and is shown all the nations of the earth and the enemy says will you Um, If you worship me, I'll give you all of these. And so that one, it's interesting because it's not like eating is a sin. So that first temptation is a little bit interesting. Why, Why would that be the sin or why would that be the temptation? And I think, I mean, Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. But I think the temptation is to fall out of agreement with what the Lord had prompted him to do. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness. So sort of like, this is your assignment right now, is to be in fasting and prayer. And so if you eat bread, which normally isn't a sin, but for you in this moment, you would be giving into temptation. And then the second one, to have some kind of a public demonstration of power, that probably is getting into the realm of sin. And then certainly worshiping the enemy is going to be definitely sin. So it was an interesting progression from you know, something that's normally innocuous to very, very evil. Um, very bad. But then I was looking at the Luke passage and this one really stopped me in my tracks because first of all, Luke does not structure it in the same way. Yes, he starts with turning stones into bread, but then he has the enemy take him to the mountain to worship him and then take him to the temple to throw himself down and demonstrate that he is actually beloved. And so I still haven't fully wrestled through why Luke might think that that's a worthwhile progression. You know, the the Matthew one to me, it's sort of like you're going from small to bigger to biggest. Whereas in Luke, maybe it's more about identity. Like you are cared for, you should eat bread. You are, um, you're, I, I don't know actually. So I'm just leaving that with you. That one isn't one I've completely figured out. It seems like in that case, though, the the last one is the temptation around identity. Like if you really are the son of God, you could throw yourself down. And so maybe in that case, it's the temptation to not believe who he is. And maybe that kind of gets at the core of who you are. Still not sure about the, the mountain one, then why would that be in the middle? But in any case, the real thing that stopped me in my tracks was... In Luke, and it's not like this in the Greek in the other passage in Matthew, what we see is that uh, first the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Well, then when it's time for the temptation, it says that the enemy leads Jesus to the highest or to the high mountain, and then he leads Jesus to the temple. It's the same word. And so you have, 
first Jesus is led by the spirit and then he's led by the enemy twice. And, you know, (laughs) I was trying to picture this because it makes sense to me that the spirit would say, you know, come on, it's time to go into the wilderness now. But what does it look like to have the enemy lead you somewhere? I mean, it seems like the first step of temptation is not to be led by the enemy anywhere. And so it really surprised me that I I had never really considered this before, that you have Jesus and the enemy is just like, here, come with me. We're going to go up to the top of this mountain and there I'm going to tempt you. That is odd, I must say. I was trying to picture this, you know, is the enemy walking with Jesus? Like, was Jesus just kind of wandering around in the wilderness because he was kind of bored because it had been 40 days and then he happens to end up on top of this mountain? That's interesting, you know, and then the enemy comes and whispers in his ear, hey, you could just worship me and I'll give you all of this. Wouldn't that be great? Or presumably if he's seeing all the nations of the earth, he would have been in some kind of a vision since there isn't actually a spot on the planet that is high enough where you could literally see all the places of the earth. But anyway, but then the other one where it's like, okay, so Jesus somehow ended up on this high point of the temple. I was thinking about how discombobulating that would be. So here he's been fasting in the wilderness. And then all of a sudden he's in this really bustling place, has climbed up all of these steps or, um, this incline, which is not easy if you're fasting for a long time, your muscles atrophy so much. I know um, some, at one point I was doing a three-day fast some years ago, and by the second day I had been walking in the lower pasture and had to climb back up to my house. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like, that's a long way up. And so just that sense, like, here is Jesus so weakened, climbing up the temple mount. I think in the past, I'd always pictured this as being more metaphoric, like, oh, here's a vision of you outside the temple. But the idea of the enemy somehow leading Jesus up to this high place, it was very touching to me in the sense that maybe sometimes if we find ourselves in a place where we're being tempted, it's it's not necessarily the end of the world. I think we need to then say no to temptation, but it was just interesting that Jesus was still without sin and yet the enemy led him twice. That's my point. He said no during the temptation, but he ended up in the place where the enemy wanted him twice. And that's the part that blew my mind. Like, wait a second, how does that even work? How did it work for him to get up to the temple mount and then have the enemy come and tempt him? And so Jesus, I had never seen that before. I thank you that the scripture is so clear. Like you were led by the spirit, but then you were also led by the enemy. And yet you still were holy and righteous, that you were still perfect and sinless. And so Lord, I'm asking that we would be always led by your spirit, that we would always hear you. Lord, I'm asking that we would be uh, walking with you, whatever that looks like. And Lord, I don't understand how the enemy led you. I think that that's really odd and kind of just unsettling. I don't like it. And yet, (laughs) I guess I thank you that you are our example. And there is hope then that if we find ourselves somewhere where we've been led, that isn't comfortable, that doesn't feel right, that we actually still have the opportunity to say no to sin and that maybe even being led is not necessarily the problem. 
So Lord, I sometimes I wish that your word was a little easier to understand, that there was maybe a little less nuance or a little less depth so that my own brain could wrap my mind around it. But I also thank you that you are so rich and so varied and so beautiful that there is always more to learn and explore. And so I give that to you, Lord, and say, in the ways that we have questions, we ask that you would come to us in our need and answer them. And I also thank you for what Perry Marshall says, which is something along the lines that it's a lot easier to ask questions than to get answers. And so even if we have a lot of questions, that isn't necessarily a problem. Even if we don't know the answers to them, that's okay. That even just the asking process is a good process and that we can seek for answers, but that I think we probably will all die with more uh, questions than we have answers. And then, then we get to go on to eternity and explore the answers with you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.